Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Just exactly how much does the word mean to your life? As I've studied Elijah, and we learned last week that his name means my God is Yahweh. And I was thinking, what mother would give birth to a child, especially a Hebrew mother, and name her son, my God is Yahweh. I mean, that's powerful, just in and of itself. And, you know, for them, it, it wasn't that they were just playing around. Words had deep, deep meaning to them. So God led his mother and his father to, to name him, my God is Yahweh. And so here is this man that in, comparatively in our minds is someone that we would know something about is John the Baptist that, you know, you, you've heard lots of sermons on John the Baptist as he came out of the desert with the skins and eating uh, locust and honey and, and things like that and, and kind of this wild sort of figure. He walks upon the scene to Israel who is completely or almost apostate. But I want you to remember something. And never forget this. I I don't care how bad the news wants to paint it. God always has a remnant of his people. And the question I would quickly slip in right after that, are you in that remnant? Okay. God always has a remnant. And Elijah comes upon the scene and he really, I think, believes that he may be the only one. Because as we read further in Kings, he's kind of having a little debate with God about that. And God kind of puts him in his place a little bit. But As we're looking, the thing that I want you to to look at and kind of keep in your mind tonight is that spiritual courage is sustained only as we are trained to know him better and to trust him more. Spiritual courage is sustained only as we are trained to know him better and to trust him more. More. Now, why isn't Chattanooga a Christian city? We have a church on every corner, and they were here before I came. In the town in Illinois that I come from, we have a bar on every corner. It was so strange to me to come to a city in the south where there's a church on every corner and I was so excited to come here. And I asked somebody, 
Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, my mom and dad are Christians. They're members of such and such a church. They've been that way for a long time. But yet, you and I struggle with what goes on in the city, right? And what we're struggling with is God moving in the center of our hearts to have courage so that we might be trained to know him better and trust him more that God wants to use us. Now, last week we learned that Elijah had a confrontation with Ahab. Now, there had been, as Travis had said last week, there had, there had been seven kings in succession from Solomon, and they had gotten worse as they came along. I don't want to go off on presidents, but I won't, but I'll stay right where I should be, okay? Um, Ahab and Jezebel had a plan that they were going to make a polytheistic nation out of Israel. Now, I want to ask you, what's the first commandment? I am the Lord thy God, and I shall have no other gods before me. Right? And what did Travis tell us last week that Ahab and Jezebel had said? God's dead. Yahweh's dead. Now, that was a half-truth, right? Because in a lot of the Israelites' hearts, God was dead. Okay? But God was not dead. Now, how did Elijah arrive at the point where he walks in and says what he says? You know, walk into the courtroom of a king. I don't know how we would compare it because we haven't seen it or looked at it, but. This week as I studied, I I looked at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 11 and verse 13. And one of the things that I want to emphasize to you tonight is Elijah's dependence upon the Word of God. And Travis had it exactly right last week that the Word is not holding up Elijah here. Elijah does some unusual things, but The reason he does some unusual things, he has an unusual God telling him to do some unusual things. Now, if you are not doing weird things, (laughs) our God is unusual. Jesus was unusual. And he has us do some unusual things. Has God ever had you at that point? I mean, you're standing in line, going to get your food at a restaurant someplace, and God says, turn around, or puts this thought in your mind. It says, turn around and ask the person behind them if they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Oh, Lord, I'm here just to have my meals. Okay. And you turn around, and you ask them. And they tell you, 
I've been praying that somebody would lead me to the Lord. Wow. I mean, they're not offended by that at all. That's answering their prayer all day long. And God had you and that person for a meeting. Well, here in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 13, it, and, and, and I was wondering, okay, as far as the word is concerned, what Elijah has is the first five books, the Pentateuch, right? He didn't have the New Testament. And so he just has the first five books. So, but here it says, And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, he will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil, and he will give you grass in your fields for your livestock, and you shall eat and be full. Take care lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the land will yield no fruit and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. God had Elijah to step into the king's court to declare to an apostate king and a woman who was, I mean, how many people name your daughter Jezebel? Ladies, if somebody calls you a Jezebel, the fight's on, right? <laughs> it's not quite as bad as somebody calls us Ahab because as men we think, oh, you mean the sailor that killed a whale? Well, well you know. That's how evil they were. It has Elijah walk in and say, God has said it's not going to rain for three years. There'll be no dew. There'll be no water at all. It doesn't say anything about his exit, okay? But it must have been kind of a, a rapid exit out the back door because tonight we look at um, verses 2 through 7. And the word of the Lord came to him. See, a second commandment. And I want to call your attention to these commands that Elijah's getting because we're, we're going to look at... Um, We've looked at the first one. Tonight we're going to look at another one, and next week we'll look at another one. The second commandment is, And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith. Now, I don't know if, if this was the fighting type of prophet, if he wanted to stay and duke it out with Ahab and Jezebel and, and argue them down in front of everybody. But that's not what God had in mind. That was not the plan that God had. Now, we know of some of the plans that God has, right? Do you know the plan of salvation? Okay, good. 
Do you know of some of the other plans that God has? Have you read the New Testament to know of some of the plans that God has? What happens in the end? Do you know those plans? You got those plans down. Are those plans deep enough that people need to be warned? I mean, in Hawaii, they punched the wrong button. And they were going to be blown away in 20 minutes. Some people were running. Some people were throwing the kids in the sewer. Some people were doing different things. Listen, they were all doing the wrong thing. They just needed to tuck their heads underneath a desk. That's what we did when I was in elementary school. We were taught, that's what you do for a nuclear thing. I don't think it would have done any good, okay? But anyway, that's what we were taught. It, it made you feel good as a kid. A plan. God has a plan. And he said, I want you to go east, and I want you to hide yourself. Because Jezebel and Ahab didn't like what he had to say, and I'm sure that they could take his life if they could find him, and if they wanted to, God's protection was all over him. But that's not the point. God wanted him to go to a specific place, careth, and hide in somewhat of a small valley or a ditch. One commentator said for about a year, if that came to you, would you go hide in a ditch for a year? So, but, Lord, I don't have time to pack. That's the reason traveling light's good, right? So he, he does as he has commanded. That Cherith means a cutting. So that he was cut off. He was east of the Jordan. He was well hidden. And we're going to see that God has a plan to feed him. He's going to have pizza delivered by Papa John's one night. He's going to have somebody else deliver another night. Well, that would have given away where he was. So, Elijah has in his mind that the word of God is an important part of his life and is an important theme in this chapter. In verses 5, 8, 16, and 24, the word of God is mentioned. Elijah lived his life under the authority of God's word whether obeying it or proclaiming it. Whether obeying it or proclaiming it. I've had a lot of people in the years that I pastored that want to preach. There's one thing about talking, but there's another thing about preaching. I've always pointed young preachers to the bathroom first to clean it. Because if you can't be a servant, if you can't clean the bathrooms with joy, if you can't sing hymns to God as you clean, then you'll never be able to proclaim God's word with a clean 
and a pure heart. So, I'll just go through the rest of the verse. He said, you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no more no rain in the land. He was going to be the victim of his own prophecy. Okay? He prophesied no rain, so this was going to be a part of it. He's told to hide here in the ravine for his protection from uh, Ahab and Jezebel. And this is the more important part. This is going to serve as a place of preparation for Elijah. It's going to be a place of preparation. Now, you and I have, have read more about this. Well, chapter 18 is coming up, isn't it? Chapter 18 is coming up. It's going to be an all-day event, an all-day spiritual event. Everybody's going to be on the edges of their seat. And it will be an unusual day. His trust in God, his trust in the word of God will have to be very great. As God says to him, pour water on the wood and it'll burn. (laughs) How many of you, when you go camping, pour water on the wood first? Okay? You see what I mean? This is a time of preparation. He is going to be alone with God for a long time period. He can't text anybody, he can't phone anybody, he can't leave the ravine. Because God has said to stay here. His needs are being met. Not his wants. His needs. Now a raven is a scavenger bird. Isn't it interesting that God picks a scavenger bird? And by the way. God did have more prophets than Elijah. Obadiah is hiding a hundred of them and feeding them in a cave, but he's feeding them only bread and water. Elijah is getting meat and bread in the morning and meat and bread in the evening. Does that remind you of anything else? What did God do for his people when they came out of exile? He took care of them. If you're at a point of need right now, 
What you need is to get alone with God. Because God is the need meter, right? We think, we think that this is what I think I need. God, I, I, I think I need a Toyota pickup truck, one of the big things with wheels on. That's what I think I need. And God says, no, Bill, you need time alone with me. You need to spend a year with me with your mouth shut. You need to spend a year with me in the ditch where your mind won't race because you're so anxious about all the things that's going on around you. God was preparing Elijah for more to come. The command has a promise. You see, God has an economy. And the world operates according to God's economy and not the economy of the stock market or anything else, okay? Uh, God has an economy. And every day he sees God's economy. Every day his needs are taken care of for that day. How many times have you prayed the Lord's Prayer? You pray for bread for this day, right? You don't pray. Jesus didn't teach us to pray, give me bread for five years. He said, no, for this day. Because that's God's economy. Because you're not the one providing the bread. You're not the one providing the breath that you breathe. God is the one that's providing it all. Well, I I need to see God. I haven't seen God in a long time. That's because you're not looking. You're not looking. Drink from the brook and the ravens will feed you there. Now he's at a wadi and I had to look up what a wadi was to make sure I didn't want to slaughter that one, okay? A wadi is a wet water spring. Uh Uh-oh. A wet water spring. That means that it has to be raining somewhere for the brook to flow. But where is it raining? Not where he's at, okay? So one of the writers that I read said that maybe, this is a maybe, he put a stick down there to see how much water was running in the brook so that every day he could see. I don't think he did that. I think he was trusting God. He could just look at the stream and see it wasn't as high as it was yesterday. Okay, that's pretty easy to tell. So there he is alone with God, and every day the water's just kind of, no, 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 no. But remember, God is 
the one who is teaching him dependence upon him. And this is the command with a promise that I will take care of you. Now this took what? Faith. Faith. And, I, and as I started thinking about this, um, there were two men in my life who molded and shaped my life about faith. Ron Dunn and Manly Beasley. I don't think any of you would even recognize their names. Some of you might. They were from, both from Texas, but both of them were godly men, and they they would come and teach about faith. Now, it's not faith like we hear about today that you plant a seed of faith and something like that. No. It was trusting God that he is the one who is going to take care of you and that God has a plan for you and that God is, is in the midst of using you, that we're, we're trusting God. Would it offend you if I tell you that you've got too much? You know what it takes to be a cheerful giver? You give yourself into poverty. You empty everything you have. Just, Just give everything that you have away and then... Let God be supplying your needs. And then when you get to give, you're so... Nobody breaks out and claps and cheers and laughs when the offering buckets come by. I mean, any church I've ever been in, I've never, ever seen that. You know? It's kind of... No, I know it's not that way. But cheerfulness... It took faith for him. No rain meant no water, and no water meant no wadi after a while. The ravens were scavengers. They were, they were not providers, and, and that brought up a, a big question. You know, the ravens brought the meat on one day, but would they bring in the second day? And God's plan there was, you know, Ahab would never look follow scavengers around if the scavengers were going to a place it meant something was dead over there and you know they had it exactly right because Elijah was dying to himself and coming alive to God he was in that ditch exchanging his life for God's life so that the next time that he faced Ahab and the next time that it came along, friends, it was a powerful, powerful battle. Could God trust you enough to battle for him? To be a warrior for him? Because it takes faith. It takes being alone with God. 
Andrew Murray said, It is on prayer that the promises wait for their fulfillment, the kingdom for its coming, and the glory of God for its revelation. Let me read that to you one more time. Andrew Murray said, It is on prayer that the promises wait for their fulfillment, the kingdom for its coming, and the glory of God for its revelation. So Elijah submits, he believes what God has said, and he obeys. Now, the ravens can keep bringing meat, they can keep bringing bread, but he can't live long without water. But that's okay. Elijah's life was consumed with obedience to God's word. And I believe God had shown him in his word what he was doing with his life and what was up. He could not stand it that Israel was consumed with the apostasy that was there. And if there was no one else to confront it, he was God's man. The day he went in and declared that it wasn't right, he wasn't ready. We find he's still not ready. He spends this time in the ditch alone with God. He's getting ready. Now, I want to ask you something. The brook dried up. What would you do? Well, I knew God would put me in a place like this someday. I'm just going to get up out of here and I'm going to go over here next door to this country over here. I know they got water over there and surely somebody will give me a jug of water. And mumble, 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 gripe, 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 gripe as I go. Had you learned anything about God if that's your response? And one of the questions I'm going to ask you is your brook dry? Is your brook dry? Has, has something happened in your life and your, your brook has, has dried up? I've had a young lady that's been calling me this week. Her, her dad's in the intensive care unit. Her requirements were that she put a nice, kind pastor to come and talk to him because she didn't know whether or not her dad is saved. Now, they still haven't let me back there yet because they don't want to upset him, okay? But he's got pneumonia, he's got sepsis, he's got two or three things. They better forget that part of it, okay? <laughs> and we better get on with it. But see, her, her brook is kind of dried up. When God speaks to you, are you prepared for radical obedience in, or radical inaction? 
is your is your brook dry because of obedience? I mean that that that's one thing, right? I mean, if you're being obedient like Elijah and, and you've gone where God has sent you and you're there and God is using you as a signpost for whatever, that's one thing. But if your brook has dried up because of disobedience, that's quite another. God can't speak to you because you won't listen. You won't listen. I, I've gone and sat in lots of congregations lately where it seems like the, the Holy Spirit moves along fine until it gets to a certain point. And then it, it's kind of like people put their fingers in their ears and go, na 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 and they won't hear. One of the strong commandments from the Word of God is hear, 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 hear. In the book of Revelation, it says, if you've got ears to hear, hear. In Luke, it says, hear. The Shema says, hear, O Israel. Right? Hear God. Lord God. Let me ask you, where is God in you? That's a strange question. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Where is God in you? I spent 21 years in another faith, okay? And I knew that God wasn't in me because I had a God-shaped vacuum in my heart. Now, I had people telling me all of these things to do. I went to a Sunday school class one time, and a a guy said, okay, what we're going to do today, boys and girls? Now, I was in college. And he said, what we're going to do today, boys and girls, is that we're going to lasso the lost. And guess who he lassoed? Me. I didn't get offended by that because I was lost and I really wanted to know God. I was going to see it out. But I thought, he isn't going to tell me. Okay. But sitting in a philosophy class in college with an agnostic philosophy professor who was a Methodist preacher who had kind of lost his way and he We were studying Plato and the Platonic principle, know thyself. He started challenging us. Did we know God? Had we made the decision ourselves to ask Jesus to come into our lives to be our Lord and Savior? And you know what happened to me? Now I'm the oldest of four in a family That was so dysfunctional. I mean, if you look that up online, dysfunction, you'll see my family there. And I don't cry because of that. Now I'm getting softer and softer, okay, but I don't cry. But I started crying in the philosophy class because that was the first time that the Holy Spirit of God had broken my heart to the point of bringing me under conviction and I'm sitting there in that philosophy class going (laughs) 
The guy next to me was snoring because he was asleep and it was springtime. And I walked out of there and I knew what I needed to do. I didn't need God on the outside of me. I needed God on the inside of me. Because I had some wounds that God needed to heal. And my thought was that because I came from an alcoholic's home, that Jesus would never come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. He only came in the life of nice people. People that had suits and people that had all these other things. See, people believe weird things. He's in our hearts. Now, is that the end? Is that all there is? No. He, he, is he speaking to you? Is he training you? The staff has laid out this 2020 vision to us. How'd you like the coffee shop idea? You like that? Yeah, some of you might have thought, that's a little weird. Never heard of a coffee shop. You know what? It's not for you. It's not for you. I go to coffee shops all the time. I'm, I'm the only member of Starbucks Anonymous. Every morning I go in and I say, I'm Bill Belva. I'm addicted to Starbucks. And I'm slipping again. Give me a... <laughs> I walk through Starbucks. As I walk through Starbucks, I see people of a certain age group sitting in there reading John Piper or studying their Bibles. There's Bible studies going on all over the place in these coffee shops. And I want to walk up to them and say, do you understand what you're reading? You know, it's sort of like the, the, the fellow in the desert, you know, and God had directed him out in the desert and he was running a marathon explaining the book of Isaiah to a man. You see, we have to be ready don't we? We have to have a vision. Here's a good question. Do you need to have your spiritual ears healed? <laughs> Sometimes things happen to us and we get mad at God. Well, the last time I listened to God, he got me into a real pickle. Yeah, he got me into a real mess. It is a joyful thing to follow after God. A joyful thing. Because God will bring people into your path every day to ask you, what is the reason for the joy in your life? I, I went into a Home Depot in Memphis. I looked like anything and smelled like anything but a preacher. Three days growth of beard I had dirt all over me. I'd snuck away from my wife because she won't let me go out like that. She'd rather I go out like this. And I didn't have time. And I looked so bad. And the woman's at the cash register, you know, I, I got what I, I needed. And she said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, why do you say that? I said, I look like I'm homeless. Just needing a piece of wood. <laughs> and she said, no, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, I'm, I'm trying to avoid it now. She said, because there is something 
different about you. Now they'll do the same thing about you. Is your spiritual sight gone? Do, do, do you need to spend time alone with God saying, God, give, give me sight. Help me see people. Help me, help me see your word. Help me understand your word. Are you more excited about Jesus coming or the Super Bowl coming? That's really meddling, I know. But folks, we've got far more excitement over entertainment events than we do over spiritual events. And I just wanted to challenge you on that one. Boy, what a perfect night to invite people over an hour early to your house for the Super Bowl and share your testimony and then watch the Super Bowl together, right? It could be really exciting. Wouldn't it be great if they didn't want to watch the Super Bowl at all and they all wanted to share their testimonies? Wouldn't it be exciting? Say, no, you're a preacher. You're just crazy. No. I think that would really be exciting. And the last challenge I'll give you tonight Who are you going to bring to church with you Sunday that's lost? (coughs) Somebody that's lost. They're afraid of these buildings. People tell me that they're going to fall in on them. I told them, I see them built. They won't fall in on you. Don't think so highly of yourself. From between now and Sunday, Invite somebody that you know that's lost to come to church with you. It's going to be weird to them, but it's okay. It's okay. First time I ever went to a Baptist church, it was weird to me. Power and blood, power and blood. I thought, lands. Where have I landed? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for Elijah being so obedient to your word. Lord, would your Holy Spirit just examine our hearts? Lord, where, where are we not being obedient to your word? Father, maybe we've just slacked off reading it. And how can we be obedient to something that we're, we're not looking at? Lord, maybe, maybe we're facing a dry brook. Maybe, maybe Maybe we've, we've got this great need in our life and it, it's a God-sized need and only, only you can meet it and you're asking us to trust you. Wild birds fed Elijah. Only God can do that. 
spending almost a year alone with God? Are there any of us that are here in this room that would resign our jobs and go to a ditch and spend a year alone with you to hear what you had to say and be obedient? I think I'd come back changed. I would. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the sweet people that have braved the cold tonight to come to hear your word, to have their children taught. And Lord, just use us is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They're about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and apart. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.